In the scripture that was read this morning, I would like to refer you back to the fifth verse in that faith chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, by faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Recently, I was reading some of Ellen White's writings, and I was captivated by the following statement penned in The Signs of the Times, Volume 2, page 175. Quote, Enoch was a representative of those who should be on earth when Christ shall come, who will be translated to heaven and never taste of death. I don't know what happened to me, but my mind just took off on high gear. That was a thrilling statement that she made, that the life of this man, Enoch, had to do with the lives of the saints who are alive today. Now, you and I, I'm sure, know that without a doubt that Jesus is coming soon. But I've had an experience this week. I don't know. I'm not a time setter. But I, I will express the feeling in my heart that I feel that something is going to happen close and around the year 2000. I just, I just sense it. I have no prophecy that uh, can say any specific time, but I, as I understand what's happening in this world today, I just feel that his coming is very, very soon. And when he comes, he's going to raise the righteous dead. You know, no human imagination can adequately express that thrilling moment when suddenly there will be a, a, a mighty shout by the voice of God that will shake this earth and there will be a trumpet sounded and graves all over this earth are going to open up and we shall find loved ones coming forth recreated by God before our very eyes those whom we have loved and have laid to rest. I cannot hardly wait, it seems, for that moment when I will see my dear father again and my loving mother. What a time it will be, and there are those of you who have lost loved ones. What a moment that that will be. I, I just believe it will be so electrifying that I'm going to be among those that are going to shout out, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? We're going to have a praise session when that happens. Not a question in my mind. Fathers and mothers and children, grandparents. What a wonderful time it will be. But the apostle does not stop there. Let me read it to you again. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice, of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Now, notice what it says. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Those words, then we which are alive. Beloved, this is exciting to me because I believe that we are living in a time when there is a great possibility that the saints who are alive today are going to never die. I believe that with all my heart. We can be translated to heaven and eternal life just as Enoch. You know, suddenly inspiration becomes very alive to me and very important since Enoch represents the saints who are to be translated, his experience this morning can reveal to us what is necessary for us to accomplish in our lives before he comes. And the fact that he is alive today in heaven is living proof that you and I don't have to die today. I want you to think that through. And so we want to explore what inspiration has given to us about this man Enoch. First of all, let's read from the Bible. Genesis 5:24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, that, now, does that really mean that Enoch could have been seen walking down the pathways around Eden and the surrounding countryside? And there he was walking arm in arm and talking and holding his hand. Is this what it actually means? Is it imaginary? Patriarchs and Prophets 85, listen. Enoch walked with God, not in a trance or a vision, but in all the duties of daily life. Oh, now that puts a different picture on it, doesn't it? That sort of clears the air. It's an eye-opener. I read on, Enoch had a work to do for God in the family. Now, we don't walk, as it were, hand in hand out on a path in the family. It's talking about Enoch here as the priest of the household when he conducted worship every day with his family. Am I right? Are you doing this? It says Enoch walked with God in his intercourse with men, in his business activities, in his buying, in his selling, in his witness, not to make a sharp deal. People recognized that here was somebody different. It said further as I read, he walked with God as a husband. In your intimate relationships, men with your wives, are you exemplifying in your life as you walk with God in your dealings with your loved one? This is what it means. No harsh words. Loving, caressing, a feeling where you are one together. It says he walked with God as a friend. When you meet somebody on the street, 
do they know that here is someone that is different? Can you, can you sense the expression? It says, and a citizen. When you pay your income taxes soon, are you honest? I'm trying to picture for you here what Ellen White has painted out to us as that in which he walked with God every day. It said he was steadfast, unswerving servant of the Lord. And if we are going to walk with God as Enoch did, there must be total harmony with God. Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? The thing that amazed me was that he walked with God for 300 years. 300. It wasn't an occasional walk. It wasn't when there is a camp meeting and he went there and he got all fired up. It wasn't just every Sabbath day when he came to church and received a blessing. It was a daily walk with God. Now, I've worked with young people and I've worked with older people enough to know that someone here this morning, in your mind just now, maybe Satan has implanted the thought, Say, well now, Brother Nelson, now hold on just for a moment. This fellow Enoch didn't have the time that I'm having. He wasn't having the struggles that I am having. Why, why, Brother Nelson, don't you remember that whenever he had any doubt planted in his mind that he could walk right over a little ways from where he lived and there was the tree of life. And he could talk to the angels that were surrounding the tree. And furthermore, when he heard things like evolution, he could go look up Adam, for Adam was alive. And Adam could say, why, there's no such thing as evolution. I was the first person. I was created by the hand of God. And I remember Eve didn't come from some ape. I remember when he took my rib and he created her. Oh, don't you see, Brother Nelson, he didn't face the temptations that I am facing. Who said so? I want you to listen to what God says. Genesis 6, 5, and 11. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The earth was corrupt before God, the earth was filled with violence. I'm reading on, page 91. God had given men his commandments as a rule of life, but his law was transgressed, and every conceivable sin was the result. I don't care what's happening in the world today. If your imagination can, can imagine anything that's more corruptible, it happened back then. I'm reading on. As I look down, I find these expressions. It was a time of crime and wretchedness. Men took by force whatever they coveted. They exalted in deeds of violence. They regarded human life with astonishing indifference. Things were so evil that God was compelled to destroy them with a flood. 
And then I came across these words. Manuscript 42, page uh, in 1900. There never has been, now think this through, there never has been and never will be an age when moral darkness will be so dense as when Enoch lived a life of irreproachable righteousness. You know, we think things are bad today. And we know they're going to get worse. But it says there never has been and there never will be an age as evil as ours. If he could make it, brothers and sisters, we can make it. In this age, we can please God just as he did. Praise God, the life that he lived is proof. You know, sometimes we think that we are living in such terrible conditions, but it was nothing compared even to the flood. If Enoch was alive in our day, how would he live? I read on page 85, Enoch was distressed by the increasing wickedness of the ungodly, fearing that their infidelity would lessen his reverence for God, reverence for God Enoch avoided constant association with him. If there's anything that young people hate today, it's to be different. They just want to belong, and, and, and that seems to sort of carry on with all of us as we grow older. We don't like to be separated. We don't want to be different. But that's what God is looking for. Now I want you to tell me honestly, if Enoch were alive today, and you happen to knock at his door and visit with him, would you expect to find him looking at X-rated movies? Now, I want you to think this morning. Would you see him sitting there, or as the evening progressed, looking at murder and rape, at smoking and drinking liquor, swallowing dope, snuffing cocaine, filling the minds with dirt and filth as you find today portrayed. And then comes along that hypnotic beat of music called rock music that has been inspired by demons. Do you suppose if Enoch were, listening, were living today that this is the kind of a life that he would be doing? I don't think so. And I think you must agree, for it said in the scripture that he pleased God. So I ask you honestly now, how come that some of us, even within this church, and I'm speaking not at the church at large today, I'm speaking about our church here, how can we share in these evils about us and let them be infiltrating into our hearts continually and hope that we are going to be ready for translation and please God. Think it over. Instead, we are told on page 85, Enoch spent much time in meditation and prayer. And then she says to him, prayer was the breath of the soul. While I read those few words, you took at least three or four breaths unconsciously. 
Is prayer to us something that just is so much a part of our life that we are sort of whispering the prayer as we go down the street, as we do our work, as we wash our dishes, as we take care of the clothes? Prayer to him was as the breath of the soul. Then I discovered another secret in his life that I want to bring to you this morning. Enoch lived so close to Christ that God revealed to him the future. Now, how did he do it? He didn't have any scripture. Scripture didn't come for hundreds of years afterwards. How did God reveal to him? Listen, page 85. By the spirit of prophecy. The what? By the spirit of prophecy through holy angels, God revealed to Enoch his purpose to destroy the world by a flood and also opened up more fully to him the plan of salvation. He lived so close to God that the angels communicated to him. Are you thinking this through? Why did Ellen White used the term the spirit of prophecy as angels instructed Enoch so angels instructed Ellen White are you following she was given explicit instructions of the plan of salvation she was told exactly what would come up to the very moment that Jesus would appear in the clouds of heaven I shall never forget the day when I visited Elmshaven many years ago. On that day, I was very fortunate that there was a man who was the guide who had lived in the home with Ellen White. And as we walked by her bedroom, he told me how many times in the night he had walked by her door and saw the holy light a glory that was transcendent of anything in this world coming through the transom and coming underneath that crack in the door as the angel of God was instructing her of things to come. And we have the spirit of prophecy today just as Enoch had. Are we listening to it? Are we letting it instruct us? Or is it on the shelves in our homes? If we would please God, we had better take heed. And you know, there's no wonder in my mind that the devil is doing everything to distract us today. I once, many years ago, was a member of a large church in Southeastern California Conference, and the pastor never once in the years that I was there ever quoted from the spirit of prophecy. I know because I was an elder in that church and there was the unwritten rule that anybody that came as a guest speaker was never to quote from it. You see, Satan is working today to keep us from that which will make us pleasing to God. And I recently am acquainted with a church member, not in this church, but nearby, 
he spoke despairingly of the writings of Ellen White with these words, that he would accept the judgment of men in the general conference above anything that Ellen White had ever written. Think it through. What is the devil doing today? He is trying to prepare a people to separate, to not know what is coming. No wonder Enoch pleased God. And this is why Enoch was so well informed about the second coming, because angels had instructed him. That's why you read in Jude 14, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, Enoch filled his mind with eternal things. The angels had instructed him about the cross that was to come. The angels had instructed him about a judgment. They had instructed him about the second coming. He knew all of these things. And you know, as you read the spirit of prophecy, something happens to your heart. I'm reading page 87. Enoch's heart was upon eternal treasures. He had looked upon the celestial city. He had seen the king in his glory in the midst of Zion. Have you ever read some of those beautiful pictures of, of heaven and Christ on the throne pictured before us in the spirit of prophecy? We too can look just like he did. His mind, his heart, his conversation was in heaven. The greater the existing iniquity, the more earnest was his longing for the home of God. I visited just a few days ago with somebody who was very sick. And they said, oh, how I long for heaven. I'm tired of this world. I am looking for the day when I'll never get sick again. Are our thoughts on heaven? Are we talking about heaven? Are we singing about heaven? Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Reading on on page 87, for 300 years, Enoch had been seeking purity of soul, that he might be in harmony with heaven. For three centuries, he walked with God. Day by day, he had longed for a closer union, to be nearer and nearer, until God took him to himself. He had stood at the threshold of the eternal world, only a step between him and the land of the blessed. And now the portals opened. The walk with God so long pursued on this earth continued and he passed among men into heaven. I don't want to be sacrilegious. Please forgive me if you think so, but I want to ask you something. As you see Enoch on that day leaving this earth and walking in through the gate into the city. Do you suppose that Enoch 
changed his language? Did he leave some of the words outside, never to be spoken again, slang expressions of God? Do you just suppose that as he walked in, there was an angel there and he said, uh, have you got a little dressing room here? I need to change my dress before I walk into Jerusalem. You see, I've been sort of following the customs and the designs of the movie actors and I'm sure we don't have that up here in heaven. Or do you suppose that he said, do you suppose that there's a place out here where I can put this cigarette butt? Really now, do you suppose that he changed in any of these things when he went from this earth to heaven? Am I making it too real? As I study the spirit prophecy, I find out that when Jesus comes, the changes will all be made, that they're not going to be made at the last end. Let me read on here. How can such a change that we need come to us in this life? Ministry of Healing 492. By beholding Jesus, talking of his love, talking of his perfect character, we become changed into his image. Now, did Enoch ever see Jesus walking along with him? No, he was walking by faith. And that's why you find this great chapter of Hebrews is a chapter of faith. Bible Commentary, page 1087. Enoch saw God. En did Enoch see God by his side? Then comes the words, only by faith. He knew that the Lord was there, and he adhered steadfastly to the principles of truth. And when we meet one another, we shall speak of his power, saying, Praise God! God is the Lord! Good is the word of the Lord. You know, we need more praise among us. We need expressions, Thank God I'm well today. Praise his name I have forgiveness. We need more words of praise like Enoch gave. But don't make any mistake to think that just because you talk about the Lord and you meditate upon Calvary, that that love is going to remove a struggle. I read these words in a letter Ellen White wrote, 169 in the year 1903, Enoch strove to conform himself to the divine likeness. You know, that's a far cry from what we hear today as the new theology. He was a man who was all in a struggle to regain eternal life. He was a man, as I read these words, in conflict in toil, in labor, in a good fight of faith, in a hand-to-hand -hand struggle. That's from the Signs of the Times, 1021-1908. And then in Manuscript 10, 288, comes these words. We are to fight, to wrestle, to labor, 
to strive, to run the race with patience, laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The Bible leaves the responsibility of our ruin in our own hands. You see, this calls this morning for a preparation on our part. For I saw that none, letter 53, 1887, I saw that none could share in the refreshing. We're all looking for that day when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out mightily, more powerful than in that day back there in Palestine when we're going to receive a great power. But I saw that none could share the refreshing unless they had obtained the victory over every besetment. How did Enoch do it? By faith and obedience. This is why it is said he pleased God. Bible Commentary 1, page 1087. It was in looking in faith to Jesus in asking him, in believing that every word spoken by him would be verified, that Enoch walked with God. He kept close to his side, obeying his every word. And so faith and obedience, this brings to us what we need. Testimonies 2, page 127, Enoch was a representative of the saints who live amid the perils and corruption of the last days. His faithful obedience to God, for his faithful obedience, he was translated. So also the faithful who are alive and remain shall be translated. Praise God today. He's alive and it's living proof that we can do it. We need to take courage in these things. God showed what he will do for those who keep the commandments. Men were taught that it is possible to obey the law of God, that even while living in the midst of sinful and corrupt, they were able by the grace of God to resist temptation. And this we find in the life of Enoch in a time that there never was or never will be as evil. Enoch did it. Praise God, it shows that we can do it. And so this morning, are we seeking translation? Are we preparing for it? Then comes these solemn words. What we make of ourselves in probationary time, that we must remain to all eternity. Death brings dissolution to the body, but makes no change in the character. The coming of Christ does not change our character, it only fixes them forever beyond all change. Praise God, he is able to do Translated and never have to die. What a glorious opportunity there is before us today. Won't you determine with me that this week we will be pleasing God in all that we do. Father, 
Our hearts are just touched this morning as we know you're waiting. You want us to be pleasing you. God, give us of the Holy Spirit in such power this week that in all we do, we will be pleasing. Thank you for keeping the door open. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.